Arizona's Desert Diaries. Hello, Arizona calling and welcome to a bit of a special Desert Diaries midweek edition. Now, I could pretend that this was planned all along to be some wonderful companion episode to the podcast. But actually, as I think I might have let slip on social media, it's because I've harped on so much in the last episode, I ran out of time. So here we go, a special episode just for you, as I promised to answer a load of your questions. And so this is what this episode is all about. Thank you so much for getting in touch. I love hearing from you. If you're not aware, we do have a little community going on on Facebook. If you just search for Sam Walker's Desert Diaries or head to facebook.com slash see you in the desert, then you'll find us right there and do come and join. Click like, click follow, send me a message, give me a poke. Is poking on Facebook still a thing? I don't know, but you know the score. Be great to hear from you and that's where you can leave me any questions that you have and I can do more little episodes just like this. So thank you. Right, I'm going to start off. We've got the good, the bad and the ugly this week. Should we start off with the ugly? Sandra Graham. You're not ugly, Sandra, but what you're asking about is very ugly indeed. Sandra has said, I watch anything to do with the US election. Is it as nuts as it seems? (laughs) Yes, Sandra. That's the short answer. Next question. No, I'm kidding. So it's absolutely nuts right now. And I think ugly is a really, really good way of describing just how the whole political atmosphere is right now. I mean it's just nasty. There is such polarisation going on between the left and the right in America right now. I don't know how Brexit discussions went where you lived, but I remember working on the BBC at the time when Brexit was reaching fever pitch and really remembering how spiteful a lot of those arguments were. People just weren't able to sit and listen to the opinion of someone else who didn't agree with them. And guess what? It's kind of like that here but turned up to 11. Mariotta, you also got in touch as well to ask about those ads, those political campaigning ads that, believe you me, six, seven, eight more per ad break it feels at the moment. It's absolutely relentless. You know what? I'll get onto those in a couple of moments' time. But obviously, Trump is the most divisive president who's ever served in American political history and his supporters still adore him and think he is the greatest president who has ever lived. A lot of things that he stands for are clearly what they stand for. People who do not like him, well, (laughs) I think his behaviour over the past few weeks and months and this year have only really cemented those beliefs, that's for sure. But I think what's really interesting is that over the last week or so, you've heard the president say that he, well, you've heard the president fail to confirm that he will hand over power if he loses the election in November. And that's a lot of the discussions I've been hearing recently between friends. A lot of people saying they don't believe the election is going to be decided any time before January next year. Can you believe it? Well, you might think why. And I think a lot of that is down to postal voting. Now, we're in a pandemic. A lot of people this year have registered to do absentee voting. They don't want to stand in line for hours upon end, as is quite often the case for voting here in the States, at a polling station surrounded by hundreds of strangers. So they want to fill in that postal ballot. Now, many months ago, President Trump started a a kind of narrative that postal votes equals fraudulent votes. And he's been ramping this up over the last few weeks. Sidebar, do Google it. 
there's no evidence that there is any form of major fraud when it comes to voting. I think the figures that I saw were 0.0004% differential, if not even less than that. But, you know, check it out for yourself. I think we're quite good, aren't we, at just reading one line on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter and thinking that's the truth. And I think that's where a lot of people are getting a bit astray here. It's hard to sit down and try and work stuff out. But if you do Google it, you'll find that there is no evidence, essentially. Many, many, many independent claims about um, independent studies about postal voting. But Trump has said he thinks they're fraudulent and that they will be fraudulent against him. Not that people will be filling out vote Trump and posting that, but people will be filling out vote Biden uh, falsely. And that's going to detrimentally affect him. So this is how one scenario might go. President Trump, on the day of the election, receives the most in-person votes. People who are actually turning up at polling stations and voting, he will win that vote. Because again, it gets quite complicated. There is a suggestion that more Republicans will vote in person than Democrats. Again, this is just something I've heard, these discussions, and I've looked stuff up. However, as the vote then comes in over the next few days from the postal votes, it will show that Biden has won. Well, if you've already spent the last six months saying postal votes are fraud... You're not going to step down when the postal vote shows that you've lost, right? So this is one scenario that a lot of people think might play out. The president will, quote, win with in-person votes. But then when the postal votes come in, it will show that he's lost and he'll say, well, I'm not leaving. Now, you might say that's never going to happen or that's a worst case scenario. We only have to wait and see, right? Who really knows what is going to happen in November? The big debate starts today, the first big presidential debate. And it's fair to say that a lot of Democrats don't like Joe Biden. They don't feel he's progressive as they'd like him to be or that he's going to make enough changes they'd like him to be. But I did see one little funny video going around saying to all undecided Democratic voters, the current choices in the election are like this. You walk into a restaurant and say, your two choices are tuna melt or rat poison. (laughs) And you say, oh, I don't really like tuna. Mm, Not sure. It's not my favourite dish to have. (laughs) That's what a lot of these kind of funny campaign messages are saying. So anyway, never seen anything like it. That's what a lot of my friends are saying. It's not normally this hysterical and vicious, but it's going to be a very interesting next month and a bit because, yep, election day is only five weeks away. And as for those ads, Mariotta, you asked about the ads that come on TV during uh, TV shows. Man alive. Again, they're just scaremongering. A lot of them are just obviously fake. But again, if you watch a programme on Netflix called Social Dilemma, it's really interesting to show that if we only get our news from one source, unless that source is bipartisan, like something like the BBC, then if you only watch Fox News or you only watch MSNBC, you're only going to ever see one side of the argument, right? So you can understand why some people absolutely, truly believe one side or the other. And those political ads kind of reflect that. I'd say the main themes... And these political ads, so much of it to do with healthcare, so much to do with the police and defunding the police. And and actually one advert shows a little old lady, bless her, in her house. And there's someone trying to break in her door and burglar, you know, rob her house. So she calls 911 and it goes, hello, thank you for calling 911. No one can take your call right now. Press one for murder. Press two for robbery. Press three. You know, uh, some will leave a message and some will get back. Someone will get back to you. Uh, one day and of course she's there terrified and they go this is what a vote for Biden will do he wants to defund the police he's there's going to be no law enforcement so that's clearly not true right I mean it's just come off it but if you only ever see one side of the news you can understand why people truly truly 
will believe that. And the same goes on social media. You know, your Twitter feed looks very different from mine, depending on who we follow. So let's not forget that it's you have to dig a bit deep to get the truth, don't you? And I don't even know if I know the full truth. And I do quite a lot of digging. But anyway, I'd say the main threads are uh, Joe Biden will sell America to China. He'll give illegal immigrants all of the Americans' jobs and he'll raise taxes so much you'll be thousands and thousands of dollars worse off a year. So it's mainly it's going to hit your pocket, your job's going to go, oh, there'll be no police, he's going to defund the police, there'll be no police or law enforcement um, and he'll sell America to China. Trump's ones are, he messed up the virus, he doesn't care about 200,000 dead Americans, he doesn't pay tax, he's turned the world against America and he doesn't care about African Americans or uh, Latinos or women or fact anyone but himself. So they're the main two threads that are running from both parties. It's nuts. Nuts. I get quite triggered by it all, but maybe it's because this isn't my country and I can't vote. You know, I'm 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 not a citizen, so maybe I just get a bit anxious. I mean, people I've been talking to are saying they think there might be violence on the streets after the election. Riots, kind of people with armed up and out on the streets protesting if Trump doesn't win. And I was like, does that not terrify you? But then again, it comes down to just big differences in culture, right? So watch this space is all I will say. Thank you. Right. Michael Healy. Hello to you, lovely Michael. You said, what's the strangest food item you've seen since living in the desert? (laughs) Well, do you know, it's kind of standard American fare here. There's obviously a lot of fast food. There's a lot of meat because we're in the Southwest, which I don't get involved with. But, you know, I see lots of kind of steakhouses and barbecue houses around. Um, There's a load of Mexican food because a huge Hispanic population here. So I love, love, love Mexican food. So I'm very happy there. And a lot of nice kind of good fresh stuff as well. I'd say a few things I had never encountered before I moved here. Indian fry bread. What? So this is kind of like flatbread. It's a Native American food. Flatbread you just make with like a dough, but then they deep fry it. I mean, it's all kinds of wrong, isn't it? And then you can top it with like sugar and honey or you can top it with like meat and onions and that sort of thing. I mean, oh, carbtastic, but lovely. And then funnel cakes, big part of sort of state fairs and carnivals and things. Basically, it's like donut batter and you sort of pipe it out into a big lump. So it's all sort of a lattice and then deep fry it <laughs> again. It's really bad for you and um, just amazing. Uh, so don't have it every day. But I suppose the craziest thing I've seen, Michael, and I mentioned it on my trip up to the Grand Canyon was a place called the Roadkill Cafe where they allegedly if you knock something over in your car drag it into your boot and take it to them they'll chop it up and you can eat it (laughs) that's apparently a thing I don't know I'm presuming it's a bit of a gimmick but yeah we'll see if you bump over anything and take it in when you're in Arizona see what they say Uh, but there you go Uh, you have said who is this Anne Ferguson and also Tracy Young. Hello, Anne and Tracy. I've said I'd love to hear about US radio, how it compares with the UK. Well, there's NPR here, which is a bit like the BBC, and that's kind of a national uh, service, but it has lots of local stations. So my local NPR station is KJZZ, and actually a load of that content is sort of networked. So it's a bit like when you turn on your local BBC station and there might be, say, something from Five Live playing. That generally happens through the night, but... Here, all throughout the day, there are big programmes that come from other NPR stations. So they are those networks. So there's only a couple of three shows that actually come from Phoenix every day. I'd say the main difference is it's not 
as personality driven as say a local BBC station is. I mean, I love listening to local BBC stations and I feel, you know, and I loved working at BBC Radio Manchester for years and I would say when you do listen day in, day out to a local BBC station, you really get to know those presenters. You get to know about their lives and their families and their passions and their their little things that drive them crazy. Whereas with the local NPR station, it's very professional, great journalism, solid presenting and interviewing, but I don't know a lot about those people through the radio. I mean, I've met them and they're lovely people, but I mean, if I was just a listener, I, I wouldn't know a lot about their lives. That's what I would say the difference is there. And as for kind of the local commercial music stations, it's very, very music heavy. I mean, the kids absolutely love it, you know, all the pop, but the links aren't very long. The morning shows are much more personality based. Honestly, especially because of the pandemic, I'm not out of the house enough in time <laughs> to start to listen to any of those breakfast shows. But uh, the children are back at school woohoo! this week. So uh, I'll let you know because I'll listen to a bit more of those morning shows for sure. Some of them really not child friendly, which can be very funny slash awkward when your kids are in the car. But no, I'll report back on that. Nicola Benson. Hello, my love. You said, I love to know about the clashes between British and American culture, especially language, etc. I mean, where do I even begin, Nicola? It's every day. Every day there'll be something that makes me go, huh, I never realised that was a British quirk or, huh, I never thought that'd be a cultural difference. I mean, I'll try and share them as I go along on the podcast for sure. But I would say in the last week, my daughter goes horse riding once a week and it's dead near to where we live now. And she used to go in the morning, 6am start. I know, ugh, dreadful. But it's so hot, you can't go in the day, right? You've got to go at 6am or sort of 6 at night. So she was going at 6am, I had to drag her out of her pit at 5am 5, 5 in the mornings. But I got there, I said, look, they're going back to school next week, so we can't do this time anymore because she's finishing about quarter to eight. Well, she's got to be at school for eight o'clock because her first lesson's at half eight. And they were like, right. I said, so can we organise something later perhaps? They're like... So when does school start? And I was like, well, she needs to be there for half eight. They were, they were literally looking at me like I was mad and looking at each other and, excuse me? I said, well, you know, we just, because she'd start school at half eight, we just can't get there. She needs half it, half it, half it. <laughs> they literally didn't know what I was talking about. I went, oh, I mean, 8.30, half eight. They had no clue what I was talking about. Half it? And I was like, no, not half it. Half eight. 8.30. 8 is when she needs to be at school. So I can't. <laughs> I need to leave here by at least 7.15. The whole thing was crazy. And it's little things like that. Half eight? When I just never considered that no one would not know what half eight was. <laughs> but they really didn't. So there you go. As I said, I'll try and keep you updated as I go on. Full show. Right, couple more little questions. Hello, Mookie, Mad Myrtle and Mara. Hello, said, what are the good things you love about living in Arizona? It's really interesting hearing the things you've struggled with, like healthcare and getting credit. But what about the positives, the things that make you want to stay? Well, do you know what? It's it's just kind of that underlying feeling of being here. And I think the pandemic's made it really, really hard because... One of the things I was so excited about doing when I was here was sharing my new experiences and the passion I have for being here with people I've known a long time, with my friends, with my family. And of course, none of them have been able to come 
this year. There must have been about four or five people who were coming to to stay with us. You know, my dad, my in-laws. There was going to be my friend John, my friends Andy and Russ, my friends Christina and Jez. I mean, I could go on and on and on, all going to come over and stay with us. And then, of course no one can come and that's been really tough and I suppose that's why over the last few months I've struggled with so much about living here because I've I've not been able to share the joyful things with them we've not been able to travel in the way that we really wanted to do one of the main reasons we wanted to come here was to explore for me exploring and adventure is just what gives me so much joy but we haven't been able to get on a plane or a train And I haven't felt comfortable with even driving and staying in lots of random hotels or campsites around places because of the pandemic. So I think, to be honest, all the things that really bring me joy, I've been really restricted in doing those things. But all I can say is I'm excited about the future and I'm excited about doing those things. And you know what? Just looking out the window still and seeing not a row of Victorian terraces like where I used to live, but seeing mountains and cacti and even still it's cooling down a little bit walking outside the front door and feeling that heat and you're like wow and seeing a scorpion on my driveway I'm like oh yeah I'm not in Manchester anymore and I think when there's something that was so hard for you to do and yet you made it happen daily reminders of that are just wonderful and they give you that little spring in your step and that feeling of do you know what I can do it really things that are very hard to overcome well I've done one of them so I'm sure I can do other ones. I was driving to meet some friends at the weekend, actually, and I was just driving along Greenway Parkway, which is which is or Greenway Road, which is this big kind of one of the big artery roads that goes east-west. And I looked ahead of me at the mountains and I could see this kind of lovely hazy light just in front of those mountains. And then looking in my rearview mirror, there was just a blood red sunset behind me. And just seeing things like that just make you say, wow. This is awesome. So, yeah, I'm hoping for more joy, but it's not Arizona's fault that things have been hard recently. (laughs) It's absolutely because those little annoying things that are part of everyday life have kind of come to the surface because we haven't been able to do all the other fun stuff. So, yeah, watch this space. Really, really want to explore a lot more. Uh, I've got one more question. Bless you. Holly Jade said, do you think you'll ever get used to the heat? There's two parts to this question. I'll answer the first part first of all. Do you know what? You never get used to living in a furnace, do you? You're always going to be in a furnace, I suppose. But do you know that story of if you have boiling water and you drop a frog into it, the frog will leap out immediately. But if you have a frog in a cold pan of water and slowly turn it up, it will boil because it just doesn't know it's getting hotter and hotter and hotter. It's a bit like that. (laughs) You do get accustomed to that heat. I'm talking to the friends I met at the weekend. One of them was from out of town, was for California. And after we had the meal, she said, hey, let's go for a walk. I said, oh, yeah, great. And myself and another friend who lives here in Arizona, as we walked outside the restaurant, the friend from California went, blimey, neck, oh, my gosh, we can't walk around in this. And Kim and I were like, what? It's fine. <laughs> what are you talking about? It's really, it's really quite pleasant to walk around in. So I suppose we, I mean, Kim's been here her whole, whole life. I've been here 18 months. We've already acclimatised enough to certain levels of heat that we're like, yeah, this is okay. It's not burning my face as I walk out the front door. So yeah, I can go for a walk in this. Um, And you also said, Holly, with all that you've been through, are you still glad you took the leap to move? Do you know what? Some awful stuff has happened, right? 
awful things and some of it I'm not going to butter it up. I'm still quite traumatised by it. What's traumatic? <laughs> you know, which one of the particular experiences I'm talking about that we went through. And it's horrible because it, it, it taints your it taints your attitude to, to other people and to life. And sometimes I've been like, God, is everyone out to rip me off? Is everyone out to take advantage of the immigrants? It feels really horrible sometimes. And of course that isn't the case. But when you've been through something so horrible, wow, it takes time to get over that for sure. But I also remember how amazing 99.9% of the people we have met since we've been here have been. What would have happened if we'd stayed in Manchester? Anything could have happened. There's no guarantee that the life I had at the time would still be the life I have today. Could have lost my job, could have lost our house, husband could have lost his job, the children could have been unhappy, been bullied. I mean, I don't know. I'm not creating an alternative terrible reality. But what I'm saying is we don't know that how things are today or how they'll be in a year, a month or even a week, do we? So I'd say if there is that thing that you want to chase and that thing you want to experience, go and do it. Because even if it goes wrong or there are big bumps along the way, as I said a few moments ago, that sense of achievement you will have in knowing that you fulfilled a life, a, a long held ambition kind of outweighs all the rubbish. Because I think the biggest lie we're all told is that life is easy. It's not. We all suffer. We all meet people who do rip us off and are terrible and upset us and hurt us and break our hearts. We all do. So why not do it in a place where you're excited to be? Just a thought. Thank you again for all your questions. Love hearing from you. Come and join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash see you in the desert. And a new episode is on the way. Ooh, in just a couple of days. I'll see you in the desert. (laughs) 